0: Welcome to Doug and Joe Talk I'm Doug but Wait, oh <laughs> I guess I'm alone this week So uh, it's still Doug and Joe Talk But I guess today it's kind of Doug Talk um, Joe is under pressure to get some crops in the field So he is not here with me today um, I invited someone ...to come and join me, and they haven't shown up yet, but I'm under a little bit of a tight uh, window to get the podcast done. Now, if you're a dedicated listener and you've heard the one podcast I did alone before, um, it's a little different when I'm alone. You know, I'm not a Ben Shapiro who can just keep bam, 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 just throwing out information, plus I have a cigar in my hand. It's a little little challenging to smoke a cigar and talk at the same time, so you know, the pace is going to be a little different... Um, the outcome of the podcast can be just a tad different when there's only one of me, but there's important stuff going on in the world, important stuff that I'm happy to talk about, and I have a dandy cigar in my hand today, and I'm going to tell you about it in just a minute. Mm-hmm. I'm lighting it. Using my nice, actually a free lighter. Not sure who I got it from. It might have been PipesandCigars.com. I think when I ordered some stuff from them. Thank you for the free Jetline lighter. It's one I wouldn't have bought because it has flint, and sometimes I say, ah, if I have to buy flint and replace it, that's a pain. But it's a it's a nice lighter. I like it a lot. It's a soft flame. It's good to light cigars with. I prefer soft flames over torches. Um, but it's just got a heft to it. When you hold it in your hand, you feel like, oh, that's a good solid lighter. You can't tell when the fuel runs out. There's no window to look at the fuel, but it's it feels solid. It's nice to carry in my pocket. It actually is square enough that I can sit up on my table so I can light it and just sit it down and, and spin my cigar around the soft flame. So it's a pretty nice lighter. I'm not really here to promote the lighter, but I like it. It's fairly new to me, so I'm excited about it. But I am... Mmm. More... Mm, more excited about this cigar I have in my hands right now. The main reason, I'm, and uh, total disclosure, I already know I like it. It's, um, it's a cigar that I've had in the past. Got a nice little bottle of water here I'm sipping on as well, but it's a cigar I've had in the past, and I wanted to share it with Joe, give us a chance to review it. I have several of them in my humidor, so my buddy Mark said he'd come over and join Joe and I today. And so I knew I had more than two, so I pulled this one out for us to review. Well, then Joe got kind of called to the field. It was a nice day, so we had to get the crop in before it rained anymore. And Mark isn't here. Don't know why. Don't know what happened there. We'll find out. But I'm here, and in my hand, I have the La Flor Dominicana Coronado. It uh, is in the Corona Especial shape, which is um, almost six inches long, five and three quarters, by 47, which is pretty close to the perfect size for a cigar, in my opinion. I'd probably go just a hair smaller. Um, I like smaller ring gauge cigars, but Mm. this one is a dandy, and I like this size a lot. So um, let me take another sip of water, and I just lit it. Joe and I normally try to light five to ten minutes before we start the podcast. Like I said, I'm kind of in a hurry. Got a short window here to get all 55 minutes of the podcast in. So, let me give a couple draws and tell you what I got in this cigar. Appreciate your patience. All right. To begin with, now it's interesting because I know it's a Dominican cigar. So, very general statement. The Dominican cigars tend to be a touch lighter. Uh, Just Dominican tobacco is probably a touch lighter. Plus it has more of that baking sweetness that I like in the cigars. But this does have some Nicaragua... I already know it's got some Nicaragua... It's got a Nicaraguan wrapper. And, um... So, I'm getting, I'm getting a little bit of pretty dark, earthy, like, when I smoke a Nicaraguan puro, puro, whatever you say, call them, it almost tastes dirty. And I'm not going to call this dirty, but I, I think I'm tasting a l- hint of that Nicaraguan tobacco that tastes kind of like burnt, I don't know, burnt coffee maybe. Um... Uh, harsh, a little harsh, but, but still sort of pleasant, and there's a, there's a pretty, pretty powerful pepper note in the back of my throat, and I already kind of expect that, because I know it's got, it's got some pepper in it, and, uh, there's a nice sweetness right up at the front of my tongue, it's, it's not, it's not dominant, but there's definitely a an earthiness, a soft earthiness, not a sweet earthiness, but kind of a soft, wet earth earthiness with that burnt coffee and, um, and that pepper in the back of my throat. Maybe a... I'm not sure yet. There might be a nuttiness. I'm pr- about 90% sure there's leather, but let me get into it a little more before I commit to leather and commit to nutty. I'm going to say... This might be one of the most leathery cigars I've smoked. And again, I'm a little biased because I've smoked it before, but I'm trying to not say what I expected or what I had before. I'm trying to just take it as it is today. This kind of slightly humid day, but sunny and cool in my garage. Really nice and warm outside. Um, It's a beautiful day. Gorgeous day to have a cigar, whether I'm by myself or not. So that's the LaFleur Dominicana Coronado. And here's the info on the cigar. It is made up of a Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano wrapper grown in the Jalapa Valley of uh, Nicaragua, which I suppose it's pronounced Jalapa Valley, um, if my Spanish knowledge is correct. Then it also has a Sumatran Dominican filler and a Corojo seed Dominican binder. Um, Lito Gomez is the first to combine these tobaccos. The recipe is simple and the result is complex. And this is interesting to me. Normally I don't put all the additional info, I just want to get the info as to what it is, mainly. But they threw this thing kinda in at the end that said grab a bottle of the top off the top shelf and light up. It's a real treat for any enthusiast. Like they're saying it goes with whiskey or something. So, um... My buddy Mark, I did pull out some whiskey. I normally don't mix whiskey and cigars, but I thought if Mark shows up, I pulled out a nice single malt scotch that I really like that I'd share with him. If he doesn't show up, I'll probably not mix him. I just want to enjoy the cigar as it is. When we get to the end of the podcast, I'll tell you what the what the information on the cigar says we're supposed to taste. But until that time, you're just going to hear from me and what I think I taste in the cigar. So... Again, I probably won't go to the trouble of editing out the quiet moments when I draw on the cigar. You'll just have to bear with me. It's a yummy one. I like the sweetness I'm getting. I, I think, just generally speaking, now now I am kind of going back to how I've tasted this before. I think the thing I like about it is that it gives just enough of the Nicaraguan um, kind of boldness, but it's mostly the the... the the sweet kind of sweet bread um, tastes that I get from cigars I like with just a hint of the harshness of the Nicaraguan, so it pulls it down a little bit from the like uh, from the sweetness. It pulls it kind of down to a darker earthiness, just a little, and I like the mixture. If, if um, the Nicaraguans get too powerful, sometimes they're a little too dark, a little too earthy, a little too bitter, almost. And I don't like them as well, but this is starting off beautifully. And uh, let's move into what's going on in the world today. Um, well, there are several things. Not one of which is the Georgia abortion, uh, uh, or the Georgia heartbeat bill, uh, which has passed in the House last time I checked. I don't believe it passed completely yet and I'm sure it's obvious to most people involved, regardless of what side you're on, that this bill is intended to go to the Supreme Court and challenge Roe v. Wade, which, even if I was 100% in favor of abortion uh, on demand, um, probably not after birth... (laughs) But even if I was 100% in favor of abortion, I would say Roe v. Wade was wrong for a couple reasons, but the main reason is that the way the Constitution was designed is that we're a republic. So we're a collection of states, and there are very few things, in fact I would say no things, that are to be decided at the federal level unless they're enumerated in the Constitution. Hmm... Taman cigar. It is a pretty damp time of year, so you got to keep up on the cigars. Keep drawing on them when the air outside is pretty damp, or they do tend to have trouble God It's not super damp this today like it was the last time um, Joe and I did the podcast. But the point is that um, the enumerated powers are what the federal government's supposed to do. Anything else, whether you think it's morally right or morally wrong. According to the constitution is set up for the states to kind of hash out. Now, if California wants to say <clears throat> you can have an abortion up to the till your child is turns 18, fine, pass along do that. I will say it's morally wrong to do that. I will say it's a problem, but if the people living in that state want to vote on that and pass it, I would say it is not the federal government's job to say they can't. Now, One of the reasons why folks are fighting hard for, this is where it gets complicated, why some folks are fighting for a federal ban on abortion. There is actually a constitutional issue as to why it might be a federal issue, and I'll get to that in a minute. But basically, in general, our Constitution says states, you hash out the laws. California might have an opinion, those folks might do it one way, the people in Georgia might do it one way, the people in Iowa might do it one way. If it's not listed in the Constitution, you guys figure out your laws for the people of your state. Because we're a republic. That's how we do it. Now, the good thing about that, what ends up happening is um, you got 50 states that might try it 50 different ways or maybe 10 different ways or maybe 20 different ways. But eventually, over time, we learn from that. We say, wow, like, it really sucked over there in that state the way they did it. That was horrible. They had a lot of problems. That's not right. They made a mistake. We did it. Pretty good, but maybe that state over there did it even better. And so, folks know what's going on, and they see how the laws work, and they uh, we have a chance to then kind of trial and error work it out and figure it out. Now, with abortion, the reason I think that there might be an argument for mm, for the federal government getting involved is because the Constitution does talk about. Life, liberty, and property. Or some people say life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. Um, and w- when you talk about that we're guaranteed by the United States Constitution the right to life, then if that is, in fact, a human being in the womb of the woman, the woman completely gets, for the most part, has the freedom to decide what to do with her body, with her womb, as long as it doesn't take the life of someone else. I have the freedom to do with my fist, with my knife laying here on the table, whatever I want, except I can't take the life of someone else because that's a violation of the Constitution, if not a violation of state law and federal law. So, if it's a human being, if it's a baby, if it is born, if it does have specific DNA, if it is a living thing that just happens to still be in the womb of a woman... Well, that living U.S. citizen has a right to life. So in that case, it would have federal... I would say that in that particular case, those who say there should be a federal ban on abortion might have some standing. Um, I still do kind of think um, the states need to let it play out, although that bothers me a bit because I do think it's morally wrong. I think as science comes out, even people who are in favor of letting the woman have a choice, I, I don't think there are too many people that can deny the science that shows it's a baby. I've heard some say, yeah, it's a baby, but it's but the woman's right trumps, uh, trumps the fact that it's a baby. I would say it doesn't. Um, it's a baby, and it doesn't trump the woman's right. Um, I like what Matt Walsh said recently when he said, uh, when he said, that a lot of the leftists are clamoring about reproductive rights. I'm not quoting him, I'm just generalizing what he said. They're clamoring about reproductive rights. And he said, no one is forcing a woman to reproduce. Once you have a baby in your womb, you have already reproduced. It's no longer a reproductive rights issue. It's a parenting issue. I agree with him. It's a baby, it's in your womb, you can't kill a baby. It's not a reproductive rights issue if you've conceived a baby. It's a reproductive rights issue before you conceive a baby. Um, So kudos to Matt Walsh um, for saying that. And uh, I love this cigar. It really is hard to talk and and give complete attention to this cigar that it needs. I'm going to uh, give a little bit of a retrohale and a purge and see, see how the flavors change if they do. the retrohale I'm doing it really light because there is a significant amount of pepper probably just a hint more than I like but like I said I've smoked this cigar a lot it's one of my favorites um, but I, but I tolerate it cuz the cigar itself is so good and as I purged I still feel the pepper in the back of my throat but as I not as I purged I said that wrong as I retrohale through my nose it was a little burny not as not as much as I thought it would be not as there wasn't as much burn as I was expecting it does seem to enhance a kind of a breadiness coming up in the back side of my throat into the nasal passages. I'm actually going to do a couple more light ones here. I'm still keeping them light because it burns quite a bit. But, uh... There's another taste there. I'm going to read... I'm going to step out and I'm going to say... It was kind of a breadiness, but, there, but there's definitely... I'm going to call it a leather. I'm pretty sure I'm getting leather. Um, and, the, and the retrohale does kind of bring that out a little. It's like like if you sit on a brand new super luxury leather chair and you can just smell the leather. I don't know if you've ever been in. A lot of fancy cigar lounges will have leather furniture and you just walk in. And if, if it's full of cigar smokers, you smell cigars. But when you sit down on the chair and, and, you, and your weight settles into the chair and the chair kind of goes and exhales, you just get this wafting of leather. It's wonderful. So it's a little bit like that. And it's interesting because it's mixing with that kind of burnt coffee. So if if you can imagine that, that smell of leather with a burnt coffee and that tingly pepper still in the back of my throat with a little bit of bread. I almost think it lost a tad bit of sweetness, but I think that's because I'm not drawing fast enough. So I'm not keeping it active. As I, I just took a hard puff and that brings back some of the sweet. I was a little early on this, on this cigar update by just a little bit. But I was anxious to talk about it and draw a little because I've been I was talking so much about the Georgia heartbeat bill. Good luck to the folks in Georgia. I hope it passes. I hope it goes to the Supreme Court. And I hope the morally right thing happens and that babies who are in the womb are protected. And honestly, I just don't want to conceive. Don't conceive. I know it's not always that easy, but... Be responsible. Do your best. Um, if if I actually was completely honest, our fourth little girl was probably a little sooner than we wanted. And uh, we wouldn't have dreamed of killing her. It was hard. All the things that those young women say, Oh, it was hard. It's a difficult decision. Yeah. It was hard, and it was difficult for her to keep our little for us to keep our little girl, um, Kiva, but we wouldn't have had it any other way. Our planning didn't go perfectly. Oh well, I got four beautiful little girls. I wouldn't have it any other way, regardless of how hard it is. My wife, who it's probably harder on her than it is me, because she's she uh, stays home and takes care of the kids and does some massage work. She's a licensed massage therapist and uh, makes some extra money doing that. And it's 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 tough because she's raising. Four little girls, two of which are kind of close together, which makes it a little more challenging. But um, good luck, and God be with the people in Georgia who are pushing the heartbeat bill. And hats off to this wonderful cigar. Mm. All right. So, So next thing on the radar, there's a lot. But I think probably the one that's standing out the most to me. I should have a timer, like a 60 second timer telling me that I need to take a drag on the cigar when I do a podcast by myself because I think on average that probably, probably would be a good, if you needed a rule for a cigar, you'll want to kind of get the feel of the cigar. Some will, some are different, but I would say a good rule would be draw, a nice draw every minute. Um, Some could sit a little longer, and some almost need to have a double puff to heat it up, depending on the tobacco. Tobaccos are different. Not only do they taste different, but they're different in in, uh, the amount of dampness they hold, you know, how flexible they are, how hot they get. So whatever's in the cigar could change that. But that's a good rule, like once every minute or so. So where where am I going to go next here? Um, Well... The tariff. I'd like to talk to Joe about the tariffs, but I'll I'll mention a little bit about that. Also, Rashida Talib, who um, I'd like to just a smidge defend her a little bit. <laughs> Not much though. Um, she does seem to be someone who is uh, completely against Jewish people, and uh, there's there's two or three people in. Uh, government now that, that are, probably way more than that, but at least that I know of. And and it's disappointing that the Democratic Party doesn't step up to say, hey, quit saying it. it's anti-Semitic things, quit being an anti-Semite, quit doing that, it's bad. The Democratic Party won't do that. And I'll get back to Rashida Tlaib in a minute. But I think it's telling when, when a party won't call out its own. And I wish I someone would talk to the heads of the Democratic Party and just say this. Okay. You're not going to condemn Rashida Tlaib. You're not going to kick her out of the party. Do this for me. Give me three very specific phrases. Uh, phrase one, phrase two, phrase three, that are slightly different, you know, don't give me the same phrase, just word it three different ways, but give me three different phrases that you would absolutely 100% say are anti-Semitic and would cause you to kick someone out of your party. Is there anything someone could say? Three phrases, you know? I mean, I'd like to hear one, but, but try to give me three. What, because surely you care. Surely you care about this if she's an anti-Semite, if she hates Jews, if she's racist in that horrible fashion. So, somebody, Joe and I aren't famous enough to, I can't call, I suppose I could, invite her on the show, or invite the the head of the Democrat, not Rashida Tlaib, but invite a Democratic, somebody high up in the Democratic Party and say, just give me three phrases that would be wrong, that would cause you to condemn somebody and say, that particular phrase was absolutely wrong, stop it, knock it off, or we're going to kick you out of the party. I want to see somebody ask him that. Give me one phrase, two phrase, three phrase. just three, just three. Do you have any morals? Do you have any values in your party? I wonder. So, back to Rashida Tlaib. So, sticking up for her a little bit. Um, I've only heard... One podcast host actually kind of stick up for her. This, she, a lot of people have been hammering her. A lot, of, a lot of people by people. I'll say probably people on um, on the Republican side are hammering her, which maybe she deserves it. But they're hammering her for this remark about saying she was basically, this is a paraphrase, basically saying that she had this calming feeling come over her when she thought of the Holocaust, <laughs> which on its face just is like what? What kind of idiot? But. In the context of what she said, I don't think she actually meant that the Holocaust gave her a calming feeling. I think she has um, an incorrect view of history, and she's created a fake narrative. And when she views her fake narrative, and when she presents the history inaccurately, those two things together, the narrative that she's looking at that is inaccurate and wrong, gives her a calming feeling. So to give her a little credit, that makes more sense than saying killing millions of Jews would give you a calming feeling. So I think that's really what she meant. And if you look at look at the whole of the context of where she said it, I would give her a little credit and say I don't think she was saying killing millions of Jews gave her a calming feeling. But her history is completely wrong. And the narratives that she's painting is a fake narrative that she's trying to use to promote a Palestinian one-state solution. Now, Joe and I both, admi- both admitted we're not super educated on this, but it does look like um, she's clearly against the Jews, clearly would like to see them um, give up their state that they completely have a right to. Um, and uh, the, the fact that she she, and, uh, who's the other one, uh, Ilhan Omar, Omar have said anti-Semitic things, Should the Democratic Party call them out? I I don't care. But you know what? Here's the weird part. If you... hmm, Nice cigar. If you say, Hey, this is what Ilhan Omar said. This is what Rashida Tlaib said. And you quote them perfectly. The left will just be up and on. Oh, that's horrible. You're... You're you're so anti-Semitic. You're you're racist. You're a horrible person. It's like, well, all I did was quote her. What do you mean I'm a horrible person? I just correctly quoted these two ladies. That's not ra- that's just reporting what was said. Um, you can even play the clip, and they're just saying, oh, well, you're 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 a Islamophobe. You're you're a horrible. It's like wait wait wait. wait. No, I'm just telling what they said. So. I don't think she. Sh- I don't think either of them should be stopped from saying what they want to say. Say what you believe. You're entitled to your freedom of speech in this country. You know, get as public with it as you want. Get on Facebook. Get on YouTube. Wherever you say what you want, you have the freedom to do it. You should never be silenced. In fact, I want everybody to hear what you think. I want everybody to hear your anti-Semitic remarks, ladies. And then we'll let the American people decide. And if the Democratic Party isn't going to condemn them, I think that fact will condemn the Democratic Party. Enough said. This is is the point where Joe would talk for a minute or two and I would enjoy the cigar. (laughs) So, I'm going to enjoy the cigar for a minute. Um, I might throw out a couple things as I'm puffing. That was a pretty big retrohale. Mmm, mmm. Didn't burn as much as I was expecting. I'm not going to review the cigar yet until it's time. Mmm. Good retrohale, tasty cigar. Um, comment. Let me know what you think. Um, I really feel like I'm not completely educated on the issue of uh, the one-state solution in Israel. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit. I, I know I'm biased because some of the podcasters I listen to are, are Jewish or. Um, or on one side. But I do try to be well ball- as well-balanced as I can be. Um, when I'm taking in information to try and learn. Um, not just one side, but try to learn the facts. And then maybe also learn both sides t- so that I can understand. But I i don't know that I'm clear. But comment. Tell tell us what you think. Tell us what you've heard. Tell us what you know. We'd like to hear your comments. Uh, if you're in the area uh, of Southeast Iowa, of Oskaloosa, Iowa... We'd have you on the show. Um, You know, comment. Tell us you want us to get a hold of you somehow. Um, I'm sure you can find us one way or the other. We'd love to hear from you. Mmm. La Flor Dominicana. La Flor Dominicana Coronado. Good cigar. Well, um, so, something that's a little bit old news, but... Um I want to mention it. I don't think I mentioned it in a previous podcast I had it like in my extra notes and I kind of want to go there now it was uh, because it was interesting. I wish I could give credit to who said it it might have been Brian Mudd, Dan Bongino, one of those guys but this person was pointing out the fact that the Democrats or yeah you know, we'll put this one on the Democrats. We won't specifically say leftists but They're fighting very hard to say they didn't want any Russian, they didn't want any foreign interference in our election. The whole Russian collusion thing, the whole obstruction thing, everything. In fact, if you listened last week, you heard the "No Collusion" song that my buddy Bryce and I did. I hope you enjoyed it. It's on YouTube. Search for it. Um, I think you, I, I don't know if it'll pop up because we don't have a whole lot of views, but "No Collusion" to the tune of "The Locomotion." Uh, yeah, hopefully it would pop up if you look for it. It's pretty goofy and fun. But all of this, that the Dems were just saying, we don't want this foreign interference in our election, but, but that's not true. They do want foreign interference in the election by Hispanics, by Latinos, by Mexicans coming across the border. They say they don't want foreign interference, but they do. They want the foreign interference that favors their opinion, that favors what they want. And it was interesting when Brian Mudd said this, well, you don't want foreign interference unless the people are Mexican. Interesting take, and I <clears throat> I think they're right. And here's the weird thing. I'm wondering if it'll actually jump up and bite them in the butt. Um, I, I hope the borders get secure. I hope... Not just for the sake of American citizens, but for the sake of those who are trying to come across the border. And it's tremendously dangerous. That has nothing to do with American forces, but has to do with the, the coyotes that are trafficking people across, charging them lots of money and not providing them safe passage. All of this makes things terribly unsafe. So it's better for the Mexican people or for the whatever the Latino people are from other areas that are pushing up through Mexico and trying to come through. It's safer for them if we lock down our border. And let them know, no, you can't get through unless you do it the right way. So it's safer for everybody. But um, uh, so I, I hope we can make it safe for everyone, not just American citizens. But here's the thing that I think might jump up and bite the Democrats in the butt. Because it seems like to me, um, I, I speak Spanish. Um, almost fluently. I'm a, I'm a little rough. I haven't spoke, spoken it for, for a few years, so I'm, I'm getting rougher than I used to be. And the Spanish that I speak is largely Mexican because that's been my influence. I spent a little bit of time in the Dominican Republic, which just messed up my Spanish because they speak weird Spanish down there. But most of my run-ins, the, the teacher that taught me Spanish was originally spoke Cuban Spanish, but because of her influences in the United States, she largely taught kind of a Mexican Spanish. And most of the people that I've spoken Spanish with over the years have been Mexican. And it's been really fun to try and learn, like, oh, wait, you you your accent's a little different. You say words a little differently. Are you Puerto Rican or are you from El Salvador, maybe? And try to figure out the difference in, 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 in Spanish accents, realizing, okay, you're definitely Mexican because you sound like how I talk. You sound like the Spanish that I've learned. And learning to tell difference has been tremendously fun. Um, but the Mexicans that I've had a run, had run-ins with, they all seem to be, like, really hard-working, family-oriented people. And, when I think about that, it's like, wouldn't you be a Republican? Hard-working person? You want to work hard? You want to make your money? You don't want the government to take your money? You want to take care of your family? Yeah, that's me, too. Um... So, why would you vote for the government to take more of your money and then maybe give it back to you if you need some kind of help? No, just have the government leave you alone. Keep your money. Work hard. Take care of your family. Do it. That's really... And I think, perhaps, if some of the Mexican people that I have had run-ins with um, really understood the American politic, I don't think they would be Democrat. Um, I think they would... They would value uh, the freedoms. In, In fact, some of the American citizens who come from a Mexican heritage that actually are legal citizens now don't like the fact that some people are getting a free ride and coming into the country illegally because they did it the right way. And it does seem kind of unfair to have a whole bunch of people do it the wrong way and then still have the benefits of Being in this wonderful country, but that's not that's their that's their view, not necessarily um, mine. So I don't want to talk what somebody else believes. We'll let them talk about that if they ever come on the show. But I wonder if someday all the Mexicans will be like, "Hey, wait a minute! Yeah, we're not we're not voting Democrat. I actually get more money in my paycheck. The government leaves me alone and." I can get a house and raise my family and teach my kids and take them to, this is a little stereotypical, take them to Catholic church, <laughs> because it's most of the Mexicans I run in are Catholic. It's not, not a racist thing, it's just, that's the facts. Um, it, so, I wonder if what's going to happen in, you know, 10 years to the, Me- specifically Mexicans, because that's been my run-in, but I think maybe, I- I'm extrapolating a bit, saying maybe Latinos in general are that way. I don't know. I don't, they don't strike me as lazy people that want to mooch off of the government, um, you know, in that way. So we'll, we'll see. But uh, the point in all that was to say no foreign interference. The Democrats don't want foreign interference in the election unless you're Mexican. Then come on across the border and vote. So, um, well, we'll get into tariffs in a little bit. I'm going to touch on one other thing. I'm going to say this quick before the cigar update. Um. Mm. By the way, I should say this: I got like a two-inch ash on this cigar that is not falling off. Looks beautiful, burning perfectly. Um. So you hear people sometimes in the media, and I mean, and by media I mean either side, uh, conservative media. Whatever media. I, I think the people in, in conservative media say it more. I think the people in uh, leftist or, or liberal media, maybe in the democratic media, but I think kind of the mainstream media and Democrats are kind of the same anyway. But the, the Democrats don't necessarily talk about a narrative unless they want to label you as a bad narrative and condemn you. They don't t- necessarily talk about their own narrative because their own narrative is what they is just is. It is what they believe. It is who they are. It is what they're promoting. So they don't talk about promoting a narrative as much as um, the Repu- as the Republicans do. They they see the Republicans see the narrative on both sides. They understand that in our culture, the narrative is what moves us as a country. It's not necessarily the majority opinion or the majority vote sometimes. Um, and that's an interesting concept that's hard to explain if, if you don't get it. And I'm not sure that I can explain it in the short amount of time I have, but I do think it's important for those of us who think mainly in values, what we value, what we think is right, what we think is morally correct, to realize that we're not always to just argue what's right and true. And fr- We need to realize that Creating the narrative helps push the correct value system forward. It pushes forth the correct worldview. And And, uh, maybe Joe and I will talk more about that in the future. But the, the place I think where Republicans fall short is they miss... They miss... The cultural highlights, which are which are amazing. We have so much money, so much freedom in this country that we actually can make money and make a living and then make beautiful things that you wouldn't have time and money to make if all you were doing were feeding your family and providing them a warm place to live. But because we have freedom, we not only have freedom to create beautiful art and kind of frivolous, time-wasting things, we also have the ability to consume and enjoy those frivolous, time-wasting things, which I actually think is is a good thing. It's just amazing. You know, if, if I was... If my money was tighter, if I could just barely get by and make it, I wouldn't be enjoying this wonderful cigar. Truth be known, I probably wouldn't have a nice... nice bottle of bottled water here beside me. I'd be drinking water out of the tap. So, because that's one of the things that makes America great, but I do think in general, those on the Republican side tend to forget the arts. They tend to forget creativity and making beautiful things and funny things and, and pushing forth our worldview um, in good art. Um, and I would like to see more conservatives doing that. Now, and the interesting thing is, I was raised, uh, I'm going to talk about how I was raised as a Christian and taught to consume Christian art that wasn't really reflective of real life. I'm going to talk about that after I do a cigar update. But I definitely want to get into this uh, La Flor Dominicana Coronado, the next update here, because it's consistent. So don't think it's boring when I say nothing has changed. I really wish I could heat it up more. I wish I was smoking a little bit faster I think I'd be getting more flavor in fact I can say from the experience in the past that I think a warmer, a warmer cigar would be giving me a little more flavor so it's a little lighter than normal because it's a fairly strong cigar um, so official update um, the harshness that I said was coming from the Nicaraguan wrapper um, has mellowed a bit Kind of just blended in with everything. I might be saying it's mellowed because there's less pepper. There's probably less pepper in the back of my throat. Um, the first third was a lot of pepper, um, and I'm and I'm still surprised that the retrohale doesn't burn a lot. It was a pretty full retrohale. Not a whole lot of burn, and it brought that leathery breadiness. Up that, that bitter coffee, that kind of burnt coffee, that's probably tapered off a bit or kind of mellowed into the, whole, to the wholeness of the cigar. So the pepper's diminished a little, that burnt coffee's diminished a little, but there's still a maybe a back note of it, but probably the leather, the breadiness is coming up. And maybe there's not quite as much sweet, but it's all blending together really nice, super smooth. I didn't mention that at the beginning, but. It's been smooth all the way through, and uh, I'm going to do a couple long, hard draws and see what happens here. Okay. That actually... mm. That sweetens it up a bit, so I'm going to stick to that assumption that I made earlier that if I could keep it a little warmer, there would be a little more taste, a little more sweetness, because that does, mmm, that does ramp it up. It almost makes that, you know when bitter chocolate has, like dark chocolate that has a little bit of a sugar in it, it's more, yeah, it adds a sweetness to it. Mmm. And uh, the pepper does come up more when it heats up, too, so that was probably mellowing out because I'm not drying as fast. But I'm getting, I've got over a two-inch ash. Before long here, I'm probably going to tap it off, partly because if I tap it off, the cherry will get hotter, and it'll warm up the tobacco a little more, and it might give me more flavor um, because I'm not drawing as fast because of talking on the podcast. But um, one one more draw here and see see if I have any more to say. Hmm. Nothing more to add. Hmm. I haven't mentioned that um, it it tastes super smooth, but th- this doesn't seem to be a... It's not a dry cigar, but it's not oily. Um, Joe and I talk about liking the oily cigars that almost leave an oil slick on your tongue, and I don't want you to think that's bad. It's kind of... When it comes to oil, it's kind of middle of the road. Um, but it's not... There's so much flavor happening that... I really like what's going on, but I do. They're just just a hint of my my mouth isn't quite as oily as I like it to be, and that's probably why I'm sipping on a little more water than normal. The oily cigars kind of make your mouth feel like it doesn't need hydrated. Not your mouth does still need hydrated. Your body needs hydrated when you're when you're having a cigar. So, hmm. final portion of this update. It's mostly consistent, but it's mellowed out a little. Maybe maybe a little more leather a little more earth, but none of that burnt, burnt coffee. Alrighty, so, back to the way I was raised, and uh, we were talking kind of about art and culture and the narrative. Um, I'm a, I'm a Christian, always has been, that can mean a lot of things in our culture today, I'm not going to go into what it means specifically, but I was raised a Christian, and uh, I suppose I would say I was raised a conservative Christian, um, I didn't buy into everything conservative, but as I've gotten older, most of the theology I was taught, I learned that reality actually fits the theology I was taught in most cases. Um, One place where the things that I was kind of taught or the thing I was taught didn't fit reality was when I was taught kind of by the church and my Christian leaders that I shouldn't um, watch certain types of things on TV, or listen to certain things in in storytelling, or read a particular book that might have some some bad things in it. Um, and, and when I was younger, Christian films and uh, Christian films are probably more popular today than they were when I was younger. But in my circles, in my Christian circles, when I was younger, it's like people always tried to promote these Christian movies. Oh, this is a this is a really good movie, and it's it, it, and what it ended up being was not a good movie. It was a good movie about Christian people that were perfect and everything turned out okay. And I never liked it when I was younger. I didn't know why I didn't like it, but I didn't like it because that's not real life. I do believe that biblical Christianity, the way it stands, is the best fit for reality, period. There is no other worldview that that takes our reality looks at it correctly and purposefully and really puts us in the right position to live our life there's nothing more than a correct biblical christianity that does that and what i was seeing when i was younger was people telling me that you need to watch these 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 good you know kind of wimpy movies where everything turns out great and it was more about kind of a positive self-help thing than it was true christianity because it really never dealt with serious issues um and, and real life. And it didn't mirror real life. And I have watched movies and things that I think were bad movies. Um, but I've also, and, and let me, I'll explain in a minute what I mean by that. But I watched a movie once that was about kind of the living the college life and the way, and I think it was accurate to the way the majority of people that aren't Christians live life in college. But the thing I liked about the movie, even though it was not Christian, it was pretty base and pretty raunchy in some ways. A little bit of drug use, quite a bit of sex, quite a bit of partying. But what it what I liked was it showed that that drug use, that random having sex with people, it presented it as this hopeless um, pursuit, this not that great of a thing. And it was like, I think it, Presented it in a real way, and it's and it said this is this is how life is when you're in college. And when you watch the movie, you thought that's that's horribly base, it's horribly bad, that's bad for you. You shouldn't be doing it. And I liked the fact that the movie didn't candy coat it, it didn't try to say this is how you should live. It just said this is how people in college live, and I thought it was a true picture of reality. And I liked it because it was true. And things that are true give us a correct perception of reality. It didn't say how to live correctly. It didn't say how to fix it. And everything didn't turn out great. It turned out uh, some things weren't too bad, but some things were really bad in the movie. And it's like, that's... I loved it because it was a good picture of real life. And I want to see more Christians making movies that are pictures of real life. And... I'm, I've watched some movies and even some some Christian movies that I thought were pretty good I can't remember the name of this one but were in the movie some guy was just having turmoil with his with, with faith he was mostly an atheist but he sort of was thinking about being a Christian and Christianity started to make sense to him and he gets hit by a car and he, he's dying and somebody says oh accept Jesus and so he accepts Jesus and he goes to heaven is kind of the story of the movie whether he went to heaven or not I don't really think was completely up to the, <laughs> to the way the story went but, um, but I don't think life wraps up that, that well um, I've had relatives in my life who were pretty good moral people but according to what I understand about the reality of God and the reality of Jesus Christ um, they were pretty okay moral people but they died without Jesus and probably didn't go to heaven if they'd have been hit by a truck and you'd have gone up and say, "Oh, just accept Jesus, say this prayer," they'd have been like, "F you, you're ridiculous." And that would have been a real movie, a life about real movie, a movie about real life. Mm. Cigar's gonna go out. Got to work on this. A minute. So this has ended up being a bit of a long banter on on the narrative and things, but I, I want to see Christians make real movies that has real faith. I mean, I I know there are good Christian men who have made horrible mistakes in their, in their family life. Um, whether it's cheating on their wife or cheating on their taxes and getting busted and having to pay a big fine, whatever it is, um, Christians don't always do things right all the time. And I think you can make a movie that doesn't say it's right to do these bad things, but that says... Whoops, I made a mistake. And here's here's the thing. If you read the Bible, you see a true picture of Christianity. You see true picture of people striving to bring glory to God and failing over and over and over and over and over again. Because the Bible isn't about isn't about God's people getting it right all the time and being perfect and having this speak positively and everything turns out fine narrative in their life. The narrative is God is good. Um God is amazing. Bring him glory and you will lead the best possible life you can, even if your life is really, really hard and hurtful and painful. <clears throat> That's what the Bible says. The Bible's about God. It's not about Christian people or, or God's people living perfectly. It's about God's people saying, I want to be more like God and failing and failing and failing and realizing God is good ultimately and God is the one that saves us. That's a narrative I want to see. And when it comes to politics, I want to see conservatives particularly I'm going to get this cigar burning. Mmm. Almost went out. Mmm. I want to see conservative particularly making art that pushes our worldview in a real way. That shows the struggles we have. It shows that we do care about people That differ with us. But sometimes we're just going to say, you know, this is best. Even though you hate it and you don't like it. It's not about finding middle ground. When you want to kill your baby that's in your womb, there is no middle ground. Don't kill your baby. It's my way. My way is the right way. Your way is the wrong way. There isn't a middle ground. But I care for you. And and show how that plays out in real life. So, man, I didn't intend for that to be so much. I was going to talk about tariffs and now I don't have enough time. So... Let me keep this cigar from going out, and then I'll do a cigar wrap. Ooh. All right, I'm going to tell you what I'm tasting is. I'm I've still I'm a little short on time, so I'm going to have to probably stop the cigar early. I won't even be able to finish it after the podcast today. I don't think, but uh, so. I'm going to say it's been consistent, as I, I do think you need to keep it burning warm, not hot, because the flavors are there when I'm drawing more on it. Mmm. And I think it was a mistake to leave that long ash on. Because I'm not drawing as much, it would have heated it up. Mm. Give me better flavor, because there's way more sweet coming through now that I'm keeping it hot. So... When it comes to the Flor Dominicana, when it comes to La Flor Dominicana Coronado, here's what you're supposed to taste: expect an explosion of pepper. Oh, definitely at the beginning, <laughs> explosion of pepper, preceding sweet tobacco. Oh yeah, salty leather and rich earth. I don't know if I tasted salty, but I'd say that's right on the money. I might argue with the salty, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe when I smoke this after I shut the podcast, I'm going to try to decide if I really tasted salty. But definitely. Explosion of pepper, sweet tobacco. I was kind of saying sweet bread, but... Okay, we won't parse words there. And... Come on, stay lit. But I think leather. Leather, too, and... Definitely some rich earth. In fact, if this just had... You know, I'm I'm sitting here saying the one I'm smoking in my hand today. If it was sweeter, I would have liked it more. But I think when I sit and just smoke a cigar and don't do a podcast, the sweetness comes out more because I'm because I'm drawing better. And uh, but that's a dandy cigar, La Flor Dominicana Coronado, the Corona Especial size. Um, I forgot to mention this earlier. This is one of the cigars that fits in our um, financial allotment of 8 to $10. This is $8.30 from, I think, Neptune Cigar, but I'm not sure. And I hope you enjoyed the Doug and Doug talk today. <laughs> I'm really fighting this. I'm going to keep it keep it lit, keep it burning. And I'm going to shut her down for this week. Sorry Mark or Joe couldn't be here. Actually, Mark called if you heard that earlier in the podcast. Uh, He might join us next week. So um, thanks for listening. Um, Hope you enjoyed the cigar review and and all all the talk. Give us some comments and we'll wrap it up this week. And uh, thanks for listening. See you next time.